Habari. Sanvon Nani. Greetings from African Digits. Where we use critical conversations as a tool to envision black worlds. I'm your host, Atieno. And I'm Fred Zukule. And welcome aboard the African Digits pod. <laughs> so, hello, Fred. Hi. I feel like um, me saying hello to you is something that you somewhat disdain. <laughs> no, I don't disdain anymore. You know, after <laughs> understanding or finding a reason for it to exist, um, mm. you know, it's a way for us to center ourselves into a conversation, into being mm-hmm. together. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, part of it is, you know, slightly a performance for the outsiders which is, I guess, where my little bone really comes in. But beyond that, I, I, can, I, can, I can ignore that and really focus okay. on um, how it brings us together. So, <laughs> hello. Hello. Um, so, hello to our listeners, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining us on another journey. Um, welcome back welcome back to the ones who have been with us from the start or from wherever they found us in season one this is a new season new things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) we are also in new seasons in our lives exactly i mean we are really all traversing through unfamiliar space or at least realizing that time is always unfamiliar but Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the new seasons are both in like temporal, spatial forms. Um, so maybe we could start by just giving a short update. I mean, one unique thing about this new season is that we are doing this remote, but I don't think it's necessarily unique in that I think that's what the rest of the world has had to deal with, with yeah. the pandemic. Um, but true. it's really exciting. I do think that, you know, having conversations with you is a life-giving exercise for me Amen. whether it's you know in the classrooms or on zoom or over messenger mm-hmm. is happening right now so thank you for being willing to engage in these difficult questions with me and just you know hold space for my ideas in the tender way that you do any 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 time any time thank you thank you you know amen and also don't reveal our trade secrets we're not on messenger we're on a very um niche (laughs) app software that you have to go to secret places to find all right i'm assuming that he's going to delete that part um obviously which is great all right anyway as you were about to say you know we're in different parts of the world different seasons Yes, um, I am currently in the UK and outside of the weather being, you know, not ideal and having, oh my God, why is things all are falling this technology apart not happening? It's fine. It's okay. It's okay. I had to charge the thing. Um, you know, I'm in the UK. The sun sets at 4 p.m. I don't think it's anything I'll ever get used to, whether it was in the States or here. I think here the greater burden is that it's also cold. Mm. So my aesthetics have been suffering 
that <laughs> combined with the lockdown doesn't really, you know, make for a win when it comes to my desire to, you know, look a type of way. But mm-hmm. on a positive note, I have been able to get more time to be with myself, to ponder about, you know, where I was at, where I'm mm-hmm. at, where I'm heading, and also just really to think about my being, or really to think about the question of on being and mm-hmm. what that means for me, and about being black in spaces that are constantly overpoweringly white, and what it means to get into those spaces, you know, unapologetically, but also in a way that's not about proving myself or gaining the language or access to whiteness, Mm -hmm. but more of, I almost feel like the work I'm doing is more of observer. Like, I mean, ethnographic experience. Oh my God. I completely understand that. (laughs) What is this thing we call whiteness? And how Ah. does it function within this elite institution? Really? I think that's a big question. What lies do they tell themselves? Yeah. What can we do about it? I wonder what word we can call this. (laughs) This kind of black ethno ethnography black <laughs> anthropology because this is that's it's what black I auto ethnography <laughs> yeah something like that because yeah i'm in the u.s in california but in a very uh, white place i'm not in school and mm-hmm. i do feel kind of the same way in terms of almost for me to guess somewhat cope being here you know it, it involves always trying to ask why are things happening the way they are like why certain things on tv why are kids talking about certain things like it's always this question of really thinking why is this space organized like it is like why are white people here why aren't other people here why do they how did they um react to biden how do they react Mm -hmm. to blm the words they use um Mm. for talking about the moment or the things happening right now you know all that that all that and it does feel a lot like um, observing, you know, um, I, and really trying to make sense of the insensible. <laughs> yeah, because it, it doesn't make all that much sense. Um, but there's, so, yeah, yeah, just watching whiteness defend itself in, mm. and also in very pernicious ways, because I don't think people always see it. Um, you know, they might say stuff like, I, I've heard the, but I have black friends very often in the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks. I was like, oh, oh okay. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the end of, that should be the end. Um, having a black friend is not enough. Um, because, you know, we have to talk about what is blackness, you know, um, because. And that's blackness with a capital B. Capital B versus, you know, just the small B. We, we have to reconcile, you know, these are, um, we say social constructions, but these social constructions have material consequences. And that's what mm-hmm. we really want to get out of them, right? So when we speak mm-hmm. of blackness, you have 
you know, some biological idea of what it is, some social performance to it. But then, you know, there's also the politics to it. You know, what comes in terms of how how does it organize or reorganize power? Mm-hmm. You know, and what forms of blackness um, organize power for blackness? You know, mm-hmm. for itself. And vice versa, what does it mean to have people state that you know they're st- standing from a position of like I'm I'm compromising blackness within a state that is perniciously viciously white mm-hmm. in all its elements. Yeah. So I guess we got to get there and say you know we want to stand from an uncompromising black position. You know, not want to, but. We are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're standing for we an are. uncompromising black position. Like, I am black, and everything I want to do is black. It's blackity black. Yeah, blackity <laughs> black, 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 um, black. It's interesting you say that because uh, right now we're thinking about thesis topics. And Jesus. I think moving to my current program, I hadn't really thought. And what is what the program? Means, uh, Social Science of the Internet. And I hadn't really thought about what it means to move from a space that, you know, it had its problems, but it had this cocoon mm-hmm. of black thinkers, black students, black scholars, really thinking deeply about interdisciplinary ways of converging black critical theory to the work we were doing. And now I'm in a place where a lot of the work is trying to understand white supremacists. Mm -hmm. And the content seems, you know, progressive to the moderators in terms of, you know, we're trying to understand digital populism or fake news Mm -hmm. and alternative rights media when I was like, let's just call them racist, etc. And so it's this very interesting way of trying to understand the you know the trumps of the mm-hmm. world um and where was i going with this i can't remember where i was going with this why was i talking about this we're talking about uncompromising black positions and how you oh in yeah your program... and so and so the interesting thing uh is how often everything i say in class has a black lens when people ask me what i'm interested in i say black black mm. stuff <laughs> um and in a sense even when i you know engage with a lot of the material even outside of the class i do think it has made me militant in very many ways in terms of how i criticize the work mm-hmm. so you know we think about with technology i actually do think that technology studies within white liberal elite institutions are very anti-black mm-hmm. and the reason i say that is a lot of the literature we read and actually this is the part that is the for real for real part <laughs> um a lot of the literature i've studied so far has this assumption of novelty when it comes to the impact of technology on society mm. And what's frustrating for me is that a lot of the things, whether it's surveillance, um, whether it's censorship, whether it's, you know, echo chambers, etc., part of the emergency that comes with it is because it now affects 
white middle class people mm. in the global north, quote unquote global north. Global um, minority. <laughs> but the reason why I say that is you think about the subject of surveillance, right? Mm-hmm. I think right now something that's really sexy in terms of the discourse is facial recognition technology, uh, biometric systems, etc., and the stakes it has in terms of being surveilled. Mm-hmm. But you think about our experience as black people moving in the world, whether it's simply moving across an airport when you're trying to get to school, etc., and the extra surveillance that you know, you have to experience whether it's in a supermarket and, you know, the attendant follows you around. That's still a material form of surveillance. And mm-hmm. so what I struggle with is being able to now empathize with the fact that it's gained, you know, it's now become worthy of academic inquiry mm-hmm. because now it affects white middle class people. So that's what I've been dealing with a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think coming from a place that is centering blackness in terms of how I live, how I think, yeah, it becomes difficult you know, to either choose to confront the issue, to ignore, to find silos. I feel like for me, like the idea of black fugitivity, which is basically, you know, um, seeking escape routes from the prison that is you know the white world we're living in has been finding community Mm. in like-minded students scholars who are doing uh, some form of radical work and so i guess it's not easy that's what i'm trying to say it's really difficult to think about how do you practice that in the day-to-day yeah yeah but um it is difficult and but that's the thing you know it's a, it's a practice for day to day and i do think that it. the yeah it's it's an everyday thing i mean we've gotten used to breathing but i suppose we've rehearsed mm-hmm. it at some point um so and i uh-huh i keep cutting you i'm sorry no, go, please go. Um, but i do think that the podcast and that's part of the reason why i'm really excited um for this season is that the podcast you know we've been talking a lot about the fact that the world as it is now does not simply work for majority of the people. You know, whether you think about class, whether you think about social protections, whether you think about racism, etc. And a lot of people are moving towards thinking about reimagining the world. And for us, what we are really keen on is Tina Kamp's idea of, you know, living the future you want to see now. And for us, the future we want to see is a black world and when i think about my own um interpretation of a black world i think about shuham benjamin's idea of the post-human as Mm -hmm. a world in which all life forms are welcome and i think about a black world as antithetical to white worlds as they Mm -hmm. are right now mostly because it's not necessarily about being black but it's more of like a structural relation that shifts whereby I think right now this world as it's working only works for a very small subsection of humanity. And what we are trying to move to is a space where all life forms can thrive. So that's what I think. What do you think? I'm dead. When you think um, about black worlds. 
Uh, well, I'll start by saying this. Um, I've been asking a lot of people what they think the purpose of life is. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what does it mean to succeed? What does it mean to be content or happy? Um, what are you working towards? Um, in terms of what do you value? Um, and it's been a difficult question to answer. Um, so I, yeah, because of that, you know, just because of that, I've been meditating, right, on what it means to have a body, what it means to have a mind, what it mm-hmm. means to be these questions of what am I working towards? Do I want children? Do I want a family? Um, relationships? What are their purpose? All these kinds of supposedly nebulous questions that I think um, we don't always think about because they happen so often. It's a, it's a road well-traveled, one could say, um, so that one doesn't always ask, why am I doing this? You know, there are so many expectations that precede us. Um, mm. And part of, I think, being a black world, a, a, a black world for me is one, um, perhaps where almost all these things are in question. Mm. And freely so, mm-hmm. um, where one is free to fabulate mm-hmm. and ponder on what is it that one wants and desires mm-hmm. and follow that. And be able to make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a world where one can act perhaps on one's desires, but, you know, not in a kind of um, pleasure-seeking way necessarily. Um yeah, yeah, I'm not talking. Though about that's sh- included. That though that's included. No, okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, kind of this like hedonism. I, okay, okay. I'm passing moral judgments here. <laughs> I think, <laughs> but uh, I, I do think you know, when we listen to what our desires are, you know, listening mm-hmm. to that, um, and I think a black world has to do with that. To me, right? It's um, with things being in the air and for us seeking to listen and to understand um yeah so right now it feels like a very spiritual and intellectual space let me put it that way Mm. um that's what i think it is um yeah yes I'll, I'll, i'll put it at that obviously there are a lot of other things to put there but that's a place i'd be comfortable with i mean i i think what you're saying is really important because um you know, you think about Tori Morrison and um, her assertion that the work of racism is to distract us. Mm-hmm. And how, what, you wonder what we would be able to do as a people, as a kin, if race was no longer an issue. What kinds of worlds we would create, what kinds of relationships we would build, what kinds of innovations we would create if you know this oppression or rather this domination of peoples because of a construction that's you know quite honestly arbitrary in so many ways no longer existed because you think about you know something that i struggle with when i think about my intellectual interests being around black people is the fact that 
often many people are pushed to that silo. I think we were having a conversation last week when it became about how people feel unwelcomed in these different spaces, whether it's the sciences or the arts or, you know, social sciences. Um, and almost moving to knowledge about our people as umbrage or as spaces of safety. Mm -hmm. And you think about how, you know, when you think about inventions, etc., often they are white or they are from the north, etc. And part of it is that they have that time to create, to not... And I do think that it's something that's stolen. I think they have stolen our creativity, in, in a sense. Um, and, I, and the reason I say that is when I think about a black world, I just think about all the time we will recover. And time is so important for me because within time, all things can be made possible mm -hmm. and that's one thing i'm looking forward to future generations having the time to be because i i wonder how often we have the time the space to just be and what it means to have a free afternoon to take a nap to mm. eat to be lazy quote-unquote and how within this current capitalist um, white supremacist context, it's not often a luxury many of us can afford. That's, yeah, yeah. Times definitely has been thoroughly, properly used. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Um, uh, you know, we could say everything's a tool, right? Um, or everything's a technology. When we speak about technology, you know, I think about processes. Um, anything that allows a certain set of actions to happen to achieve a product, right? Achieve an end goal. Um, you know, to get from A to B, whatever allows you to get from A to B can be considered technology. Right, hammer, mm -hmm. um, table, whatever, whatever makes the table and also the table itself is technology, right? Um, mm -hmm. All the way to your computer, to your camera, to um, how you get your passport, that whole process. You know I mean, it's, it's, yeah, in some rudimentary form of like, you could call it technology. Um, and how then all these tools, right? Tools are meant to help a process happen, right? And um, and they they they're meant to extend, you know, what it users what its user believes must be so, right? It's it's a tool, you know. That's what a tool is. It builds what you desire. You know, our tools are extensions of what we desire. They they permit and allow our desires to exist. Um, and I think. Um, a part of me thinking about Black World is a space where one can have the tools to build the world that they want to see, to build from a worldview that benefits them. Because I think, yeah, because right now, you know, 
race is and and especially how it works is an extension of a particular worldview as to how the world must function how it must work um what is purpose mm-hmm. you know we're speaking about capitalism capitalism wants a certain thing to happen you know continue uh, uh, exploitation accumulation etc um so that everything that happens within it is a tool and an extension of that and that we become part of it and um and the part of its work is to deny any other worldview prevent any other worldview from extending itself from having the tools for any other desires to impose itself over um mm-hmm. capitalism um um but and 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 that is to say something like you know a lot of us dream about careers and you know living that life that's that's our end goal in life blah, blah, blah. um and i do think there are other possibilities for what life can or cannot be and there's so much shame around not wanting to be a doctor i don't know that's a random example but might be personal who knows but um my point here is is um tools technology are meant to help us extend something that we believe right mm-hmm. you know extend our desires what we want the world to be how we want to exist in space and i think that's part of what the black world needs we need to have our own tools that makes sense um i'm i'm trying to i really had a point here i swear <laughs> i mean i do get um a lot of what you're saying and i think you know something interesting you really i i don't know if i got you in the right way but thinking about race as a technology yes is something that i think is really interesting because it it's distances it from the whole biological essence that is so often um placed on it particularly and reveals human desire mm-hmm. and it reveals the desire or the motivations behind inventing such yes things. but also going back to your idea about extensions of ourselves to enable certain actions to take place i think about what kinds of tools we would need in terms of building this black world that we're envisioning right and i do think that one of the things that's important for us you know i if people are asking okay so why are we talking about all this within this episode is in a way we are asserting that having these conversations uh you know Nana Magitera's idea of conversation being the highest form of theory and in some ways discourse being a tool that we are arguing as a way to get to this black world yeah being yeah. a form of technology that we can use to imagine and invent this black world and more than that asserting that in having this conversation we are in some ways leaving that which must happen that by us having this conversation we are saying that we are in that black hole where you know instead of i don't know what we'd be doing right now i'd probably be doing my homework or some other thing that i don't know if it will matter in a year we're saying that no we're going to make space for the things that matter the creativity that matters the communion that matters in the now not then the now and so i really think it's really interesting that you phrase the idea of tools Mm-hmm. to build this black world 
and thinking about imagination, conversation, communion as gateways to this black world is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. We occupy the words we articulate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Speaking uh, the uncompromising black world into existence, perhaps. Um, Living it. Embodying, <laughs> really. yeah. Occupying uh, the words. The, mm-hmm, occupying yeah. the words, the grammar. Exactly. Um, um, I think it would be interesting. No, I think something else that I'd like to talk about is essentially what we hope this space will be for our listeners in terms of what we are trying to create, the work that we are hoping the conversations here sparks, the ways in which we hope them engaging with this material will in some way contribute to their own forms of black worlds. Yeah. I mean, again, it's really about having that, this being that space of free fabulation. Mm, you know? Critical fabulation. Yeah, um, critical fabulation. I think, what's his yeah. name? Nyongo. Tavian um, Nyongo. Yeah, Tavian Nyongo. Mm. That's an yeah. interesting and element. Yeah. And particularly having the time to engage in those critical fabulations. You know, yeah. I think when I, when you were talking about the things you were thinking about, we in many ways we say adulting but it's really i i like to think about it as a verb to adult and often a lot of the actions we do there is you know it falls into two brackets it's either thought through or it's this automated action and the way you were talking there is an automated way of being Mm. particularly as you get to a certain age etc and you know, when when you're talking about critical fabulations, I hope that for you, <laughs> at least, that this might also be another space for you to be able to critically fabulate what it means for you to adult. Or for mm. me, what does it mean to be free? You know, as I think about growing old and not wanting to fall into patterns and how do I critically live a life that's awake and conscious to all that it becomes yeah 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 that's true um you know rather than you know adult maybe just to 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 life i don't know i don't really want to to be to be (laughs) you know it's about making decisions uh, making thoughts creating philosophies whatnot that one stands by Mm -hmm. um you know because i i do think you know, sometimes you know, sometimes I feel crazy asking people, what do you think a home is? And everyone's like, you know, where my parents are at. I'm like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like sometimes a lot of the questions or let me put it this way. There always there isn't always a space for these kinds of questions mm-hmm. right? for for perhaps even fundamentally questioning um, the things we've held close and normal, mm-hmm. perhaps normative, um, such as a home and. I guess it's become very important to me to ask the questions and mm-hmm. this is a really a space to allow that to happen allow me to boldly question and come to conclusions that perhaps that perhaps elsewhere I wouldn't be allowed to but that that almost doesn't matter it's more of mm, i get to be who i want to be let me mm-hmm. put it that way um this is a very let me give you an example perhaps <laughs> when I was when I was in London, you know, I always had this idea that okay, when I go to grad school, I'm gonna look a certain way. Um, 
you know, that's when I'll start judging up the, the, the closet. That's when I'll, I'll really start trying. That, that was my idea. Um, so I was in London and, you know, I'd go to school and I'd see grad students and I'd see them in like khaki shorts. And I was very disappointed, <laughs> you know, because I thought every grad student, you know, would be judging it up. Um, you know what I mean? So I, I saw some grad students judging it up, others not. Um, but I guess my point is what I saw in, in this moment and I couldn't extend my desires on all these other grad students that I saw that were not updating their closets. Um, mm -hmm. And it was this thing of, if I want to be anyone, I just have to be it. Does that make sense? No, mm -hmm. I, I stopped projecting my desires into a tomorrow and was like, okay, my desires must happen now. You know what I mean? I must live my desires. That's the point. I mean, not 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 living dreams deferred, um, and that was the story with piercing my ears. If that makes sense. Um, no, you have ears pierced. <laughs> I have my ears pierced. No one can see that. But it, I don't know. I mean, if you grow up in an African household, you know how piercing your ears as a dude can be, um, and then add in growing out your hair then occasionally painting your nails. Okay, there we go. A lot of problems. Oh, and then turn, you know, don't be straight. A lot of problems. Um, and I guess my point is a lot of the reasons I, I had deferred my dreams was because I was scared of how they'd be taken, if that makes sense. You know, I was holding myself back for other people. Right. And, and I'm starting to get to a point of really like, I have to be who I want to be. You know, mm -hmm. I have to, um, you know, I have to occupy that deferred dream again. You know, I have to stop making deferred and bring it forward, bring it here, live it. Um, and I guess from an intellectual, spiritual perspective, that's what this podcast is meant to be. It's mm -hmm. about to be, you know, the the moment, you know, the moment I decided to pierce my ears was a very impulsive thing. I came back from school. I was like, hey, let me go grab my money. Let me go to the piercing shop and then i did it was like really quick but it was one of the best decisions i've ever made because when i look in the mirror now i'm like oh this is who i am you know not this is who i want this i don't look in the mirror and think about someone else think about who i am um I and am. i can yeah i am i can properly inhabit my body and be like okay this is this is me um and i think this podcast is meant to be those ideas that i can think of and be like this is me you know, mm -hmm. when I think about a home, this is what I think about a home. You know, I don't have to compromise me like, okay, you think that's what a home is? Let me find it in between. No, I think a home is, you know, in the arms of the people that you care about, perhaps. Right? It's in friends. It's in family, you know. There are material ways that one can build that. It's my journals. My journals are my home, too. I once thought I lost them. I started crying. I mean, crying. <laughs> um, but you see, that's kind of... The space I think this podcast is, it's its really now theorizing and then living it, living that theory. Mm. Living that future that we want to see. But I do hope that for anyone who graces us with their presence, that this will be a space, you know, as Fred said, for critical populations, for you to imagine yourself and embody that self um i do hope that this is a space for love in its radical forms you know 
um, I think to love oneself is a very difficult thing beyond the whole, you know, viral self-love, you know, lax internet culture. That is like, what does it mean to sit with thyself? Um, I hope that this space gives people the opportunity to do that. But if I was to only have one hope, I think for me, it would really be about living the life you want to live mm. now. You know, like what you were saying basically about being on being, right? And mostly coming from a place that is black mm. and not black small b, which is the, you know, yeah, I was born black. Yeah, I'm African. You know, the foundness of being black, but more of the making. I would, if I would be really happy if through this podcast and the conversations that we, you know, hope to have in the coming weeks and coming months, that this is a space for the making of blackness, mm -hmm. the making of black worlds, the making of black futures, the making of black children, black adults, black beings, basically. I, if that, if the podcast just does that one thing where we are able to come and create our blackness, that would make me super happy. Like, I think my job as a cultural worker, conversation worker would be done. Something that you could expect this season is um, we want to hear more of people's voices. You know, we love our own. I love mine. I don't know about Valerie's, but um, wow. <laughs> no, okay, okay. I meant I don't know if you love your own voice. That's what I meant. That's I what I meant. Got it. Oh my god, guys! I'm not that shady. Joking, but <clears throat> is so we're we're trying this whole segment, um, and we've been trying it called the People's Podcast, where we invite. I don't know, people we've met, artists, thinkers, theorists, fashion designers, take your pick, whatever, um, to kind of contribute their thoughts on what it means to live and create a, a black world. Um, um, it, I on. think in some ways, um, this is an exercise in critical fabulations. Ooh. I feel like we should have like a, like a sound effect for, for when the word comes up. I'm dead but in you know as you're saying that I'm really thinking because it's a space you know when we think about the prompt of the question what do you see at the cusp of black liberation in in many ways we are asking people to you know venture into the unknown and to bring into to bath into being their black worlds their, that are liberated or that are free. I don't know if there would be a black world where black liberation wouldn't exist. So that might be a question. Oops. Um, um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but yeah, it's more of asking even, you know, anyone, even our listeners. Um, it's really an invitation for us to converse together. 
on this this prompt this idea of living creating and what do you see in a black world um and i guess that would be then an invitation for people to send in anything <laughs> audio, audio notes, notes e- you know videos, poems videos poems. pictures yeah. take your pick on what you can imagine a black world to be and i think it could be also you know it's a black world and in a black world there are multiple things and there are multiple topics so whether it's how does gender look like in a black world how does cooking look like in a black world what does it mean to travel in a black world what does it mean to learn or theorize or be an intellectual in a black world what does it mean to dance in a black world all these definitely questions. not gonna be doing that oh my um, God. but yeah all these fabulous. questions <laughs> at the juncture of your interests but also your freedom yeah we love to hear more um so you will be hearing from a lot of different people and hopefully from you too um as we imagine this um and yeah this segment is going to be called the people's podcast so thank you for listening um there's i think we might be a bit rusty so forgive us if we are all over the place um i think we're always all over the place but yes that's, forgive that's us true. that's true um it would be nice i think from next time no actually from this time i think i'd like us to always end with a with poetry in a sense like you know live a treat like i want us to live with a treat fred and is there any quote poem or whatever that has spoken to you recently and can you read it for us Anyway, I recommend the film Looking for Langston. Um, it's a I think, short document. Looking for Langston by Isaac Julian. Um, great film with poetry by Essex Hemphill and some other poets. Um, it's, I guess, trying to... Uh, hmm. You don't have to talk about it. I don't have to tell, talk about it? All you right, just, just have to recommend watch it. film it's great, or whatever. It's great, beautiful. Um, if you've watched Marlon Riggs, you're going to wa- love this. But there's this poem uh, I was reading. Um, oh, you're gonna do it? Yeah, 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 I guess okay. I will. Um, by Langston Hughes. It's really simple. Um, and I guess it touched me because some weeks ago, Valerie asked me, How's your heart? And I told her, I've been thinking about men more often than I'd like to. And I guess this poem kind of speaks to it. Um, so here it is I loved my friend. He went away from me. There's nothing more to say. This poem ends as softly as it began. I love my friend. And that's the end of the poem. <sighs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Anytime. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Follow us on Instagram at African Digits to get the latest updates and contact us at AfricanDigits at gmail.com where you can send us your questions, ideas, and voice notes about your vision of black worlds. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.